You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Meeting new people is a scary thing. It takes a special talent to strike up a conversation with strangers at the store. And I don't leap at the opportunity to knock on a stranger's door. When you've never met someone, you don't know who they are. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what you both have in common. And things can get awkward after that. Introducing yourself to a stranger is a pretty complex task. A good introduction needs to include at least four things. The first two are kind of obvious. You should say your name and a greeting. Hi, I'm Dave. Okay, but that's not really enough, is it? Uh, What's really important is not simply giving your name, but identifying yourself in relation to the person you're greeting. This is where the other two parts come in. The first is familiarity. You've got to find something that includes both you, so that you know a little bit about how you relate to one another. Maybe you name a common acquaintance, or a common interest, or maybe just a common experience. Most people seem to be more friendly when you've got little kids or grandchildren for that matter. Most everyone either has a child, knows someone with a child, or was a child at some point or other. So it's an easy and obvious thing in common that you can get a conversation going from nowhere. But in many greetings, especially say knocking on someone's door, it isn't enough to establish familiarity. You need to establish a purpose. Why are you knocking on the person's door? Imagine someone greets you at your door by saying, hi, I'm Bob. I like the Seahawks. In order to fully greet a person, to be fully introduced, you need to know why you are bothering them. You have to help the person see a common story that brings the people involved together and makes a foundation for a good conversation. This is just as true when you're writing a letter as it is in a face-to-face conversation. Our epistle today is Colossians chapter 1. Paul's greeting to the church at Colossae, a group of people he had never seen or met. They may have heard about him, although some may have not. But Paul wants to write them a letter, and his first task is in verse 1 through 14, to greet the strangers. So, how does he begin? Let's look at verses 1 through 3. In much the same way that all ancient letters began, a name of the sender and the recipient. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. And just like you or I might, Paul also gives them a greeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Okay, so imagine yourself as a hearer of this letter. Now you know this guy's name, and, you have, and you've heard his title and his Christian greeting. This guy is an apostle, a fellow Christian, and one of some authority in the church. But they might wonder, how does he know us? Why does he care? What is he trying to do? There are lots of churches in this world at this point. Why is he writing to us? Are we in trouble? Does he want money? To answer this core concern, Paul greets the Colossians by simply saying that he's been praying for them, thanking God for them, in fact. 
because their pastor, Epaphras, has told Paul all about them. Epaphras, by the way, is probably the one who brought Paul's letter to Colossae um, and was reading it to them. Paul was thankful for, the faith, for their faith in Jesus, their love for one another, and their hope in the resurrection. He thanks God for these things that the gospel has accomplished. So Paul greets them by identifying the common thing that makes him and the Colossians who they are, the gospel. The word of truth that came to them and bore fruit, just as indeed it is still doing throughout the world. Paul's greeting invites his hearers to see themselves as one with him, the people who worship the same God, the Father of Jesus Christ, who are filled with the same spirit of faith, love, and hope. Okay, Paul and his hearers both have something in common, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I imagine they still might be wondering, why is Paul writing to us? Is he just writing to tell us how great we are? Not quite. Paul gets to that in verses 9 through 11, when he mentions that his prayers for them don't only include thanksgiving, but also earnest requests. He's been asking God for several things for them. They, that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That they walk worthily of their Lord. That they bear fruit in every good work. That they be strengthened with the power of God for endurance and patience. The latter, it seems, is the true reason he is writing. He is writing to strengthen, to equip, to teach the Colossians by deepening their knowledge and understanding, to equip them with endurance and patience. Why do they need this from Paul? Well, because there is a war going on. That's the ultimate reason for Paul's letter, which he states in verses 12 to 13. God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to his, the kingdom of his beloved son. Paul is alerting the Colossians to the war going on between two kingdoms. One is the power of darkness that has enslaved a world through sin and death. The other is the power of the light, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that comes with a word of forgiveness that makes heirs out of enemies. That's who the Colossians are. That's why they need Paul's help. They, like all Christians, still live amidst the power of darkness. To live as a Christian this side of Christ's return is to live in enemy territory. To live in the midst of a kingdom of darkness as a citizen of the kingdom of light. The Colossians are under siege by the power of darkness that longs to reclaim them, to retake the territory it lost to the gospel of Jesus. So the Christian life for the Colossians and for us is one of work, constantly deepening in knowledge of God, being strengthened by his power. It is a life of returning again and again to the story of who we are and whose we are. That is the story Paul is told by the time he finishes the greeting in verses 13 through 14. Up until now, he has, uh, he has been speaking to the Colossians in terms of us and you. Like any greeting might begin, we, Paul and Timothy, pray for you Colossians. We, Paul and Timothy, ask that you Colossians be strengthened. But now, in verse 13, he changes to an us that includes the Colossians. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
that us, that we, that our, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The people called into being by a resurrected Messiah. That's the one and only story Paul and his hearers have in common. That is who they are and whose they are, God's people, citizens of God's kingdom. And in that us, Paul greets you and me today. We are fellow citizens with a common purpose and a common goal. It is because of the gospel that we are here together serving as an outpost of Christ's kingdom in this place. The gospel is bearing fruit and increasing here just as it has throughout the whole world. It is bearing fruit in us, in our words, and in our deeds. It is equipping us with strength and endurance for the task of living as citizens of God's kingdom in a foreign land. Because we know who we are and whose we are, we are ready to go out with courage and with joy and maybe even meet some new people. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.